when do we get the Rick and Morty cut of Fight Club where his alter ego is the pickle? That's just dumb hot nonsense. <laughs> this is why you're under 300 IQ, Charlie. Because you don't understand the upper enchilada of humor of turning yourself into a pickle. I, I think it's it kind of rhymes with Rick. That's why it's funny. Does it rhyme with? I said kind of, not pickle. actually, but like it's not. It's kind of. I mean, kinda, but not really. I, Henry would know this. I definitely won't. Like what? Like, whatever the literary concept of two words that like flow nicely into each other alliteration, alliteration. is that alliteration still i thought alliteration was like uh peter parker where it's like that's it's... a form of alliteration yeah sorry alliteration yeah, i thought alliteration just... was two letters was two words that started off with the same thing i realized it was about flow yeah it's just about like kind of similar sounds being repeated no i i, I did not realize that was alliteration i thought it was quite literally like the two words have to start with the same fucking letter yeah yeah, well, I guess, all right, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's a, I'm just looking it up, yeah, it's a, it's a larger concept, it can include initial consonant sounds, but it also includes closely associated syllables within a group of words, even those spelled differently, I mean, so, yeah. Like I said, I knew Henry would know the phrase. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Wicked Awesome Cast, episode 204, and this is Kraken Zero, that is Z-E-R-0, aka Nomad Har, and with me as always is Charlie, aka Mordak, with a 4, aka Mordak Undivided, and Alex, aka Mave Online. Woody so, so, we are... We are still sheltering in place, but luckily we were also able to get together here. And I'm I'm pretty happy about I'm I'm glad that we get this chance to come together and uh these social interactions are what keeps me going at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, never and talk about video games and everything else that we tend to talk about. <laughs> If you ever wonder, like, if this whole, like, almost three-month period has gotten to us, go back and listen to last week's podcast, where just fucking Henry and Alex drag me along for the ride. Like, it's been a rough couple weeks in Charlie Land. And yeah. And you did a fantastic job last night making up for me just being like, I'm fucking over all of this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's, yeah, uh, I mean, to be honest, like, I think just with the way everything's going on, it's it is, we are having some slower news weeks, and but yeah, you know, we are necessarily... we are. That's the weird thing. Like something yeah, kind yeah. of major happened this week. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely some major events are still happening, but I think it's uh, you know it's nicer to be able to go a little bit more in depth in into the, some of these things, and we might get to otherwise. Yeah, when we have to go over sometimes like almost twice as many news articles that we were like, yeah, we gotta actually cover that, probably. But, mm. anyways, ah. So, so, Charlie, I guess maybe you were having a little bit better week this week than yeah, last week? Yeah, sorta. I, 
I played a game since last week. Uh, it's a bad game. And I, I, if if we're being totally honest, anyone listening to this podcast knows that, like, I love kicking a bad game when it's down, but not, like, a bad, bad game, just, like, a why-does-this-game-even-exist type of game. Like, those are the ones that, like, bring me joy to just beat on a little bit. And I, I got to play one of those games this week, and... It's bad, like, but it's not so bad you feel bad for people that made it. Like, it's like, okay, you fucked up somewhere. It's just the mm. most, like, unrelentingly generic, like, why would you even make this? There's no personality here, really, video game ever, and I kind of love it for that. Don't get me wrong, Crucible is kind of garbage, but also, like, it's not like Fallout 76 garbage dumpster fire levels. It's just, like... It's the most bland, like, yes, this game exists, and it's offending no one, but also, you shouldn't bother playing it, which, at least in my mind, is in some ways worse than being Fallout 76. Like, at least Fallout 76, like, actively disappoints. Crucible's just, like, the white bread of video games, where it's like, legally, this is food. <laughs> Alright, so, I... I <laughs> if you've never heard of Crucible before, congratulations, you somehow, like, avoided the media blitz I found myself, like, actively trying to dodge. Like, I don't know why, but the internet collectively decided I wanted to know about the game Crucible. So, like, every, like, web crawler thing I used to kind of gather just news for my own personal things, like, we're talking about the Amazon Game Studios new game Crucible, and I'm like... I keep forgetting Amazon has a game studio. They put out a game. I should play that for the podcast and stuff. Oh, it's free and it's on Steam? That's cool. Mm. I'll go check this thing out. And uh, I, I spent a lot of time meditating last night on how, like, what the accurate description of this game is. And I got to go back to the review I put in the Steam. I, I put my first fucking Steam review up ever about this game. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's not, like, aggressively mean. It, like, it, 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 I don't remember the exact what I said, but, like, the gist of it was, man, it's like someone made Battleborn again. Mm. It's not inherently yeah. a bad game. It's just not clear who the fuck this game is for and or why anyone would want it. So, uh, Crucible is a 4v4 kind of character hero game where you are capturing, and this is where it gets kind of unique to the game, Three different points on a map. At least that's the game mode I played and is the only one that exists so far. And I think there are... It's not really unique. No. So the, the unique part is that the game has creeps and the control points oh, are also okay. like big boss creeps. I use that with some quotations hmm. on it because nothing in this game is hard to fight except the uh, controller support on PC for it. But we'll get to that <laughs> in a second. Like, that's the hardest part of the game, is getting a controller dialed in for this fucked fest. Yeah, but, I mean, it sounds like the concept's kind of interesting. I mean, you don't often see a mix of the PvE in with the PvP. Yeah, like so it, like so the map is... Uh, I think there's more than one map, but also they all kind of seem the same. I played, the, I, only, I played for a couple hours, played all the characters, and went, man, I got better things to do, like sleep, and then stop playing and uninstalled it, and then was like, this game is bad, don't play it. Uh, but <laughs> so, uh, it's... Your goal is to capture as many of the hive hearts on the map as possible, and this is also where the game gets weird, because I don't fully get... like I can't tell if it's first to three, 
or only three hive hearts form, which means once your team has two, you should automatically win, right? Because as far as I know, you can't steal a hive heart back from the other team once they have it, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So uh, the nondescript future jungle that this takes place in, you are going after hives and the other team. And so I think it's like on like three minute intervals, the hives will spawn and the hives don't all spawn at once. They spawn at like one location to force a team fights, if you will. And on paper, that seems kind of cool. And the hives are these big kind of weird jungle creature insect things. And throughout the map, there are like a variety of plants and other animals that you have to like interact with kind of like there. There's a flower you can shoot and it makes like a caltrop field that just walking through it causes problems, but also just walking through it causes problems. Like, once it's deployed, it's just kind of there. Like, if you shot it and it shot out spikes that were there for, like, five seconds and then they were gone, that'd be cool. No, it just kind of makes this weird zone on the map that's about five feet big that's like, yeah, you can't quite jump over this, so you have to go around it, and I guess that's kind of cool. But also, like, it, it just feels lame, and those plants you can shoot to regenerate health and other stuff there's snake things to fight but like oh so and, and while you're doing this if the incentive to interact with these pve mechanics is you gain i think it's called like uh like echo or something it's blue orbs you pick up that then like feed into your team's xp pool and as part of the match i think you have to do it before and you basically set up an upgrade tree where like every so often you like your character upgrades and you unlock slight improvements to your abilities and if there's one kind of cool part of this game it's the characters and it's just the characters so it's got like it's got your typical wide variety of cast people you have generic soldier dude like kind of like uh, what's the right how, how do i phrase this one like lady with flamethrowers who all her shit's about flamethrowers but, like, she's not, like, some, like, skinny bombshell. She's, like, some, like, kind of, like, she feels appropriately themed to, like, lady who's got, like, double flamethrowers on her arms. Like, capoeira dancer lady thing. It's not quite fucking clear what the characters are. And then you have redneck alien dude named, like, Bud, who has, like, the, like, hillbilly beard. No, not, not, not the hillbilly, the hick beard, and, like, dresses like a hick, but it's, like, a large kind of vaguely looks like a shark man and then you have like alien with an axe made of junk and then you have person that like is into swashbuckling in the future and has a laser sword and then there's character that's two characters because like one of them's a drone and the other one's like the drunken master of kung fu I, it, it, it's yet another game with like man these characters feel so differently and because this is a game, they all have to have the same, like, base concept of abilities. Every character has a movement ability, uh, an attack of some kind, a special-ish attack, I guess is the way of thinking of it, and then some, like, other stuff that goes around it. So, I had the most fun playing as Flamethrower Lady, so her, like, everything she does is based around Flamethrower's duh. So her, and her, her unique mechanic is, unlike the other characters that have, like, ammo or other things like that, she has an overheat meter. Everything she does involving flamethrowers 
builds into her overheat meter. So her movement ability, like she, so she kind of has two movement abilities. This is why I had fun playing with her. So her her typical movement ability is she kind of shoots her flamethrowers down, gets like a mini like jump chip move that catapults her forward pretty well. And I think as part of that, if you hit something with the flame, it takes damage. But it's also kind of hard to tell because the fights in this game are often like you versus three people and you get killed instantly. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, it's so she has like this like boost like this flame boost like jump arc thing, a spiral uppercut that you can then like boost out of to get some extra range on your thing, like a controlled like magma ra longer range shot than her normal flamethrower and. I think that's it. Yeah, that's three abilities. Yeah, I think that's how many characters. Yeah. Well, and and every character can jump and stuff, but like she has no sprint. So to get around the map, you are constantly kind of like using that movement ability, which puts you at the risk of maybe not being able to use your weapons when you find yourself in a fight, which is kind of a weird thing, but also it, it's an interesting kind of analysis thing. Like that generic soldier dude has a sprint. And it's a good sprint, and it's on controller weirdly bound to Y, so it's left thumbstick is going to a bizarre scan mode, which I stopped using after a while, and was just like, why the fuck isn't the sprint button on thumbstick? Like, you could have given that guy, like, better sprint or something, and it would still felt balanced. Like, getting around in that game kind of sucks, because either you're it's using your like abilities. It's kind of like Soldier 76, who has a sprint. Yeah, except in that game, the maps are smaller, so it's not as shitty. Mm. Like, the maps in this game feel big. I, a lot of the get time spent in this game is going from point A to point B, and there's, like, secondary objectives that help you mine the Echo that helps, like, level up your characters better and stuff. I And, like, I, I, I had fun with the game in the, like, hey, this character is kind of like a mer person, and they have a harpoon that acts as, like, a harpoon, but also a grappling hook for their movement abilities. That's kind of neat end of the match okay next character kind of thing like nope didn't feel good with that like it's it is aggressively generic and maybe like i don't know why like, and maybe i fell into the trap of like someone told me hey this game is the thing you should check out and i'm like fuck it, i got nothing better to do so i did but like for i think being the first game from anima amazon game studios this is a weird first one to put out and maybe it's the this is what we got so we're putting it out but it is aggressively like forgettable there's nothing about this game that i will remember like fondly in a week or two except like yeah that flamethrower lady had that cool jumping ability what else that's about it yeah i'm just i'm looking at it now and yeah i mean it's weird to it it's almost feels weird to talk about games like this as being generic but it, yeah it's because there is so many of them now. Yeah, I, that are these character these character based PvP games. I mean, the most you know, you know, we talked about that. You know, that's Valorant. That's you know, that's there's a lot of games out there right now that are exactly already this. This has a different game mode to it, but mm -hmm. I mean, the thing is, like, we already. I mean, it's like Team Fortress Two was a character based PvP game, and that's where kind of a lot of them find their you know, get their roots from, but it is weird to talk about character-based PvP as being a tired genre and a game being generic because of that. And, like, it, it, this is going to sound nitpicky, 
for a hero shooter, the number of characters that don't really shoot was a little too high. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot of melee characters, I noticed that. That doesn't bother me. I am a huge fan of melee in games. I like close range in melee in games. All right, lot, and I actually th- that was more that's more intended as a joke, but like the combat doesn't feel good. Like playing mm. this game, like it, it's I spent almost as much time trying to get a controller to feel good because it's a third person game. So I don't like playing those with mouse and keyboard. I didn't feel like I had a disadvantage, but like mm. getting that controller dialed in was bizarre, and then. Once you have that controller dialed in, it doesn't work well in menus. Like it's it is controller support at the barest of bones, which feels kind of weird in the modern era. Yeah, it's it's pretty common. Like I I'm the same. Like when it comes to third person games, I prefer them on a controller, not with a mouse and keyboard. So I get that. Yeah, I like the menus. If it are doesn't o- feel good with the controller. That's odd. And I I tried it with mouse and keyboard, and it feels, like, equally bad to play it in both modes, but, like, the menus are almost unnavigatable on a, with, a, with a gamepad. Hmm. Like, and it's one of those ones where I spend a lot of time being like, okay, am I about to shit-talk a beta? But no, as far as I can tell, this is a full, full release. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was at Amazon Studios' first attempt at something. Right? Is it? I don't know. I, I I legitimately don't know. Well, it's Amazon Studio. Amazon so. Games, I guess, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. their it's their new studio game company. Yeah, it's a pub do. the pub I mean it's their publisher and it is a specific studio under them that did this, but oh, okay. Relentless who Relentless hasn't done anything else. So I mean I guess that's their own sort of in house studio, I yeah. guess. Um, I'm seeing that the reviews are indeed mixed. Yeah, it's it. like and it's one of those ones where it's like I I don't want to like shit all over this game for being a bad game. Like it's not offensive enough. It's a bad game. It's just like, yup, this exists. Don't bother playing it. Hmm. Like, based- I do like your review that you put. <laughs> I'm actually reading it right now. What did I put ultimately? Oh. Uh, I don't know if this game wants to be a MOBA or Battleborn more. Either way, it's incredibly boring to play. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm seeing a lot of these reviews are, is like, unfinished and boring is what I'm seeing a lot mm. of. Yeah, like... Yeah, like, that sentence sums up my time spent with this game. Like, I... I, I it was one of those ones, too, where I'm looking at the game being like, I don't think this is going to be good to the point where... My, my wife was like, you need to play this game for your podcast. Like, you, you said you were gone, and, like, you, you felt bad that, like, you've been doing nothing but Animal Crossing and, De- and Destiny lately, so, like, this is free game, like, you don't have to put any time into it if you don't want. Play this, and I'm like, ah, oh, but it looks bad. She goes, you love when things are bad. I'm like, no, I like when things are terrible. This just looks, <laughs> like, vanilla bad. And I, I, yeah. I, I spent, like, I think it's, like, I think it's been, like, two, three hours with it, tops or something, and yeah, it just it's like most it's and, and to be fair, it's a horrifying amount of that time was spent in menus being like how the fuck do I like I forgot to mention this. The tutorial part of this game broke at one point for me. What? Like it, it wow. I was standing in the objective of the tutorial and it wasn't registering it and I'm like did I skip a step or something? Like, it's cool as a tutorial for this game, but it's terrible. Like, it's 
I'd have rather jumped into this game not having done the tutorial and been like, I don't know what I'm doing, and been tagged like, hey, this person doesn't fucking know what they're doing, than go through that tutorial. Like, uh, it's... Yeah. I, I, I left that tutorial being like, maybe I'm wrong about what the fuck this game is. And then I played the game like, no, I was right. That tutorial's weird. Oh, this is a, this is a, I'm just looking at some other reviews. There's no voice chat or, or text chat. I didn't even not. notice that. That's, yeah. that's not good for a team-based shooter. That's really awful, as a matter of fact. That you don't have any way of communicating with your teammates. That's not, that's really bad. Yeah, that's, I, that's pretty much a game killer. Well, and, and that goes back to my comment of like, well, there is a ping system. Like, it's... It does have that, like, you can tag things, and I think I used it once by accident when, like, oh, okay, that's cool. No one cares. Yeah, but, like, at a minimum, like, you gotta have some sort of, other than just pings, like... Oh, no, absolutely. I am not defending that as a does good decision. Does it even decision. have emotes? Like... I do not know. It doesn't seem like it has any way of communicating with the other players, which is really weird for a cooperative game. Yep. Yeah, that's that 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 alone should just be a that that alone should be a a sign that this is not a this is sort of a rushed out game. I mean, who in game design for a co-op game, who thought it was a great idea to put out a game without any way of communicating with your teammates or at least any meaningful way? Yeah. That's that's no su that's super dumb. I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, it's... of all the things that I've seen about this game, you know, clunky, slow, whatever, it's the fact that there's no good way of communicating with your teammates. Oh, oh yeah, no, like, I, as I was That's playing this, you dumb. could watch the wheels in my head being like, I am so excited to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm... I've also seen a lot of reviews saying it's slow. Yeah, uh, it feels slow. It, yes, it's. You need to have fast ways of getting around. If you have a large map, just you need to have everyone ways of getting button. around. Uh, it, it, yeah, like it's like it's like oh, you could rebind the sprint button to the thumbstick if you want to. Like yeah, but also like, haven't we just as a culture accepted sprint goes on L three? Like that, that's I feel like that's made the list of like video game law. If it's on a controller, Sprint is L3 now. Toggle or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would I would be inclined to agree with you on that. Unless you're like Grand Theft Auto, but that's a whole nother... And, and their justification there is you have to, like, mash that button to make your character run faster, and fine, yeah. whatever. Like, fine. Sprint is on left thumbstick L3 or bottom face button. Not middle top face button like in the same yeah, way that like that's that's a weird that's a weird decision yeah. for that like in the that's... same way that aim down sights is l is l2 and fire is r2 sprint is one of those two buttons like there are very few laws in how you set up the fucking controls for your games on a on a controller in my mind but those are like the three and they got two of them which means like they'd played a video game before and were like nah we're gonna put this button somewhere Fuck, Overwatch teaches you you can have different buttons in different locations that do different things, and if it makes sense for that character, people will figure the fuck out. Yeah, but I just have to say, not having, like, communication abilities, 
I mean, all right, you you don't really have them in say Le- uh, uh, Dead by Daylight, but there's a reason for that. That yeah. actually adds to the atmosphere of the game in that you can only emote to each other. Yeah, you can't talk. Um, oh yeah, it's kind of like how in Dead by Daylight, being on Discord as, as a team is kind of cheating. I get people do it all oh, the time. Oh, it breaks not, the game. Yeah, it, it 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 undermines the point of that game in some ways. Where there's a reason you're not talking to each other. Yeah. It's so that, you know, the killer won't hear you. Yep. And you shouldn't be able to talk to each other if you're on the other end of the map. Yep. But in a game like this, no, that's super dumb. I don't know what you guys were thinking. Yeah. Seems like this was awful rushed. That's what it seems like to me. I know. It, that they, they pushed this game out. I, I will go back to my comment of if this game just had the word beta slapped, I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. They're going to fix all this stuff, but. Nope. As far as I know, this is the real version. Like this is what. Oh yeah, they it's think. not an early access or anything yeah. like that. Which sounds like it could have used an early access point, <laughs> or beta or whatever. Yeah, you know. Yep. Yeah, but that's basically. It. I did some clan stuff with my um, Destiny clan. We're getting some. I there's a gun called Xenophage. We're running people through getting so we can use it for raids and stuff. Uh, oh yeah, I've been trying to. I've been. Wanting to go through that to get Xenophage. Yeah, I can run you through it at some point if you need me to. It's a very specific run. That's the one that's the timed one, right? No. Um, it's the Hold one with on, the extra boss, to... which is... Xenophage is weird, because it's one of the better heavy weapons in the game, period, for what it does. It's got some kind of weird asterisks next to it. But, like, the boss you have to do to get it also kind of sucks. You're thinking of Outbreak, that's the time mission. Yeah, 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 I am. Oh, yeah, but yeah, I I have gotten all the way to the point of Xenophage Quest where I do need, you You pretty much have to have a... Uh... It is possible to solo the Pit of Heresy. It is very hard to solo the Pit of Heresy. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I tried, and I was just, I tried a couple of times. I was just like, no, it's, it's way too difficult to deal with on your own. But yeah, you have to get through. It's just the you have to get through it, the hardest part of it before you get to the sort of xenophage quest. If they would have put the sort of you know side thing you have to go through before you have to do the kind of the hardest part of the quest, that would be easier. But yeah, they you have to go through the whole pit of heresy like yep. like back and forth between different bosses and areas and different having the proper weapon and whatnot. Yeah. It's a pain. Yep. Because it's real easy to die. There are rally flags down there which make it better, but yeah, it's... Yes. It's a choice. Not one I necessarily agree with, but yeah. Yeah, I I don't like the exotic weapons that basically 100% require... You can't play this alone. You can't do this on your own. Like, I I see what the, why they would do something like that, but also I'm like... That's also a middle finger to players like me. That yeah, and really... it's it's why stuff like the 100 exists. Like Destiny LFG is a joke and a nightmare, but the 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 100 is a pretty legit way of getting that. Type What's of stuff the 100? Going. It's it's um it's a website. It's the 100, like the number 100, like not spelled out, just t h e 100 dot i o. I think it is a LFG site that's kind of based around like you. You schedule an event and people sign up for it, and I don't know what it's like now because I actually have a clan I play with, but back in D1, it's how I got through almost any raid. 
people on it are often a lot better than the LFG crowd that's just on Destiny LFG and, like, understand, hey, we may not get this done in one shot. But there'll also be lots of posts where it's like, yo, we're doing X or Y, and we need, like, hey, I have the checkpoint for so-and-so. Anyone want to help me finish this? And it's okay. It's more than okay. Like I haven't used it in a long time. Like I've used it a couple times in D two, and it's been legit for like pickup activities when my clan was too busy to do stuff. Where it's like, yo, I need to do nightfalls so I can get truth. I'm lazy. Anyone who do nightfalls for truth, then people are nice on it typically. Yeah, I will. Well, I already found the website. Yeah, yeah it's the one hundred one, the one hundred dot io. Yep, like you said. But yeah, I'll I'll check that out because yeah. I'm like I am in a clan, but it's a super casual clan, and you, I rarely see more than one other person. That is the problem with lots of clans. Like I, unless you're in a hardcore clan, you're in a filthy casual clan. Well, like I'm me. in what's considered a hardcore clan, and we still have a hard time getting stuff lined up in an orderly fashion. Like it's, yeah, it, it's not helped by the fact that Destiny's in a real fucking weird spot right now, where. Like, yeah, I, I have guys in my clan that typically play like easily thirty hours a week that are just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not playing much right now. I'm like, holy shit, this game broke you finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for all the reasons we've been talking about. Yeah. I know. I just got four horsemen because I finally got around to. It. I'm like, oh, I guess I can get that today. Cool. I guess I'll go do it. Really? Yeah. I've yeah, I've got it, and you know, with its uh. With its exotic catalyst is good. Its, yeah, catalyst with its catalyst it on it is a huge thing for it. Holy crap! Yeah, oh yeah, no. Th- this weekend was all about yo. I got to get them shotguns. Like as much as I want yeah. four horsemen, you know what I really want? Bell Winter's Lie. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, I, I, and I guess I'll kind of talk about it now. It's like. Is it time through? That's I, I, bitching about it crucibles. Seems all fine, I got this week, but I yeah. I don't see a reason why I'd use it over other shotguns. It is, I guess, is my... horrific in PvP. It is it's a really slow though. It like, is a really slow. It is really powerful in PvP, and you can one shot kill from a disgusting range with it. Yeah, it and does have pretty exotic. good range to it. I guess that's the thing. It's, it has better range than most shotguns. Oh yeah, no, it's. It's got better range than most shotguns, and it's not a slug. It's it's still got a it, it's still got a spread pattern on it, which means you can yeah. miss a little bit. It's it, it for what it's trying to do. Like it's not supposed to be a PVE shotgun. It is. It's not quite D one broken fell winter's lie, but it's like man, that's a good PVP shotgun. Okay, I haven't tried it in PVP yet. I mean, I've been using like. Perfect paradox. Oh yeah, no. Bell and... Winter's Lie is not a PVE shotgun. It is a. Ret- it is. I, I guess like, do, do you want the story of Fell Winter's Lie in D one? Because it's a kind of hilarious story in its own way. It is a. It, to, to people that were playing Destiny one at that point in time, Fell Winter's Lie is the most broken sniper rifle in Destiny history. Yeah, <sighs> that's the joke. It's kind of more true than we want to admit to it being like. You couldn't, like, it, it's not really a sniper, it's still a shotgun, but, like, you could, across the room, you shouldn't be able to one-hit kill with that gun. Yeah, I'm guessing we'll probably start seeing a lot of it in PvP. Yep, already do. 
Like, it's not as good as Mindbenders, I know, and stuff like that, but Mindbenders is probably gonna go away in the near future, and Fell Winters, because the static roll is always good. Yeah, I don't... Um... Yeah, I haven't even picked... I'm not even sure if I've ever picked up Linebenders and It's a uh, Nightfall gun. There's a roll of it that's really good for PvP. Oh, yeah. I don't really do Nightfalls yeah. so much because there again, yeah, I'm not... I'm kind of a filthy casual. Yep. Filthy casual. I have some, and I still don't like using them. Like, it's... It's like using a thousand voices in, in Gambit. You feel gross doing it. You're like, this is wrong. <laughs> Yeah, apparently he has some really good rolls, I guess. Yep. Really, like, really super power rolls. Yep, it is a fantastic from the hip fire shotgun, potentially. Bellwinter requires you to, you know, aim. Hmm. Oh, okay. But that's either here nor there. What have you two been up to? I've talked about Crucible and weird back-end Destiny stuff long enough. <laughs> um, let's see. So, I think I told you I had re-downloaded Street Fighter V. Yes. I started playing more of it recently. Why? I I don't know. I've, I've missed kind of playing some fighting games recently. Um, so I've been a little bit on a fighting game bender, and with Evo coming up soon, I figured why not. Um, and I also realized how fucking horrible I am now. At that. I was okay-ish. Like, I wasn't anything special to write home about at all. But holy shit, am I really bad now? So, um, kind of just get back into it. But it's been it's been fun. I've I've been kind of enjoying it. And yeah. All that. It's just it's a shame there's no El Forte in Street Fighter Five. But um, wasn't El Forte a famously broken character for people that sucked at the game? No, he was just very gimmicky, kind of like Dan, which I also main. So, um, yeah. So, I've been doing that, uh, still playing WoW, of course, and playing some more Smite. Like I said, I had mentioned, I, I, yeah. I've kind of been playing playing a few other games now, other than just only WoW. Well, we're at that um, point in the WoW cycle where there's not a lot really happening at this point. Well, that's the funny thing. They just released a patch this week that finally added vendors for the corruption effects that are completely RNG, but it's a stupid system. But it's the best thing we've got at the moment. Um, and it's just this weird... It's a big complaint even back from Legion is that they add these catch-up... Like, they add the these mechanics that are just... You should have had from the start. Or not sure. mechanics, but... Um, this catch-up system, if you will. This should have always been here. Yeah. Like, one of the biggest complaints with Legion was... I mean, you had, ran, you had random drop legendaries that would show up in the game. Which were really kind of neat. The fact that they were, like, these items that would be really cool. The problem was, though, they're completely RNG, and a lot of the best DPS builds, for example, were based off of you having specific legendaries. So if you didn't have that specific legendary, you were shit out of luck, and you probably didn't have a raid spot. Which is a horrible system to have, but it wasn't until the end of Legion where there was a vendor where you could farm up, the, doing the normal activities where you'd still have the RNG of having it have a legendary drop randomly, but you would still earn currency towards buying the legendary yourself. So it was just a stupid system, and, and for whatever reason, Blizzard is really guilty of this recently, and it's been, it's just, they did it in Legion, and it was really bad, and even now in BFA, it's just been, it's been weird. Um, so, um, I have been playing a little bit of some of the alpha, I don't know if I told you guys, but I'm in the yeah. Shadowlands alpha right now. 
I'm really liking Torghast and that tower system, which is really cool. Because it basically takes your WoW character and puts them in a, like, rogue Diablo. Yeah, it's like a roguelike or something, know. right? Yeah, which is really fun. I actually think it's a great system they added into it. And, like, there's some stupid shit you get unlocking as you go on. Because you get these absurd powers you would normally never have. But it's, like, really, really fun. Like, case, just to give you an example. Um, you're familiar with Shaman Bloodlust, right? I can pretend to be. Okay, yeah. so Bloodlust is one of the biggest CDs in the game as far as DPS boost because it increases the entire raid's haste by like 30 or 50%, something like that, I forget how much. But it's basically, you use it for burn windows and things like that when you really need to get through a certain part of the mechanic. And it's a huge buff. Um, but the problem is that you don't need to use it once every 10 minutes because it's such a huge increase in, in like damage and hate, basically. Um, so, in Torghast, I had a build where every time I dropped a totem, I got bloodlust for five seconds, which is a kind of a nice little fun burst in speed, if you will. But also, every time I dropped a totem, or, no, sorry, yeah, every time I dropped a totem, I got another random totem free. On top of that, every totem I stood near gave me a 20% damage boost, which would stack the more totems you dropped. <clears throat> and then on top of that, every time I was... Uh, buffed by Bloodlust, I was under Ascendance, which is the super OP form that shamans only get for a few seconds every three minutes. Um, and so every time I drop a... T it's just... Basically, it all just changed together into a big, like, nuke shit down kind of setup. So... And it was really neat, because like I said, you every, every one totem you drop, you get another one for free. And if, you know, you get buffed by that other one too, and it's just this whole thing. The daisy chain. And it's just really cool. Like, it's a fun mechanic um, that they're kind of adding to do it. And they're managing to kind of almost fuck it up because they added some other things to it, which is not really fun. It's called the torment system, where, like, the longer you wait or the longer you spend on the floor, you get a stacking debuff that makes it harder for you to be there. So they kind of want you to be in there. They don't want to add timers, but they also added a soft enrage, if you will, kind of thing. It's... It's a lot of mixed signals, and so they've been getting a lot of feedback on it. Um, That's and makes sense I, with Alpha. Yeah. And I have to say, it's actually been, they've been pretty good about res being responsive to it. Like, one of the things they also talked about was Druids just seem really lackluster overall in Alpha so far. And one of their posts recently was addressing a lot of the Druid feedback. So, like, the fact that they even were just like, oh, yeah, we're, they just talked about it early this week. Now they're addressing it. So, yeah. Um, other than that, yeah, just kind of progressing. We're, I think I told you we're on Nazoth right now for raiding. And so we're hoping the next two weeks to get that kill finally. We're, uh, we're pretty close. I think our closest was like 25% or 24%. So, yep. Other than that, um, everything else is good. I've, uh, I've been enjoying. We haven't talked about it much on here, but Charlie is DMing uh, a current kill from the loop campaign uh which we have dubbed this chapter funky flesh i believe sure <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah and henry is also in it so we're also in this but it's not like a normal D D S campaign it's based off of something called tales from the loop so we've been doing that yeah there you yeah go. so um yeah and that's actually been a lot of fun too i got my girlfriend involved and so she's in it uh myself henry charlie and then uh I can't remember his name. Is it Jade? Jad. 
Jad, there you go, yeah. It's real weird because we're pretty good about using people's player names, so there's a chance you might not know Jad's real name. Yeah. So, and he's a cool dude, I like him. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's been kind of, uh, been kind of fun. I do also look forward, and we're going to talk about it in the news, but we have another game coming out pretty soon that I think we might dabble in one day together. There's a chance all three of us might dabble in. Yeah, there's a good chance. Just to even try it out. I've never played any of the Fantasy Star Online, so, but we'll get, we'll Prepare talk Prepare for that. an MMO with air juggles. Yeah. So. Um, and horny than... anime characters. Oh, hell yeah. Waifus? I, I think there's like, it's not quite a boob slider, but I think there's a, like a, the equivalent of a boob slider in the character creator. What you're saying mm. is I, ha- I can have a waifu for laifu. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, no, and seeing as you can change uh. classes in this game, yes. Perfect. And yeah, um, other than that, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm stoked, but yeah, that's pretty much been my week. I haven't really done uh, much else, just, you know, doing my thing out here uh, and all that, so yeah. Henry? I don't even know why I ended it with the yeah. yeah. <laughs> Awkward transition. All right, so, I mean. You kind of dipped I've, into your I've, week I've, and then dipped out, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I just want to, you know, include talking about Destiny 2 a little bit because that's one thing we share in common. Destiny 2, but yeah. A shared disdain uh, for a game we both play way too much of. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm still playing kind of I'm still playing very regularly, probably once a day. Probably playing it once yeah. a day at this point. But yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, it's a really weird point in Destiny 2. I will agree with that, but Outside of that, I decided to take advantage of one of the big sales that have been going on on Steam, picking up some games, or a couple of small games, some indie games. Playism is having a huge sale on Steam. It's only on for one more day, like, uh, till tomorrow, basically. So, I mean, uh, well, I mean, it's on for all of today, which is Sunday right now, and then it's on for Monday, Memorial Day. After that, it's over, but they are an amazing publisher of indie games. There's a lot of indie games under their belt. I mean, some of them, I mean, if you go on their website, you'll recognize some of them as being like, oh yeah, I know that game. That game was reviewed really well. Like, they've published a lot of games. Like, uh, I mean, so, yeah, Playism is a, yeah, I've... Yeah, I, I've played a lot of their games. I mean, to be honest, like uh, this War of Mine is something that they've they've produced. I mean, they they they're just a publisher. They don't they aren't a dev, dev they aren't a dev uh, team or anything. But but what they've published has been some really great indie stuff, like uh, like uh, Momodora. They've published Angels of Death, Strange Telephone, which I've talked about before here on the on the podcast, which is really cool game night in the woods is among them i mean they there's a lot of lot of great games that they published that might not have you know seen the light of day otherwise so i'll talk about one of the ones that i picked up and played just this weekend and it is something called uh murasaki tsurugi and which means Purple sword, Tsurugi, meaning an older Japanese style, uh, Japanese sword that is two-sided, unlike katana, which is one, one, one-sided. I didn't know those even existed. Yeah, 
Um, the well, one of the three sacred treasures of Japan is a tsurugi, the uh, uh, the kusanagi no tsurugi. Uh, is a is a two is a two sided bladed sword. So, but in any case, this is a shoot 'em up, and it is a sort of a puzzle shoot 'em up of a sort. So it is definitely a bullet hell style, but the uh, it, it, so it plays in some ways like a lot of other sort of bullet hell style games where you have a small character and you're kind of shooting. It's a top down scroller. Uh, sh uh, shoot him up. So it's, yeah. but where it differs is there are certain blocks on the screen that you can kind of hit either up close or with your blaster and knock him into other ones, and it causes sort of chain reaction explosions. And there's a couple of different colors of that to do to deal with. And so that's how you get rid of the bullets on using sort of. A physics engine to knock these things into each other so that it takes out the bullets. Mm. Otherwise, you're just overwhelmed. Like, instantly overwhelmed by the number of bullets. But I don't generally play shoot 'em ups, but I watched the videos of it and I was intrigued. And the game is really cheap right now. It's not expensive, anyways, if you just want to pick it up, period. It is on sale, but the, the basic price is also not expensive at all. But, but yeah, it's it's a little bit different take. I like the new the different mechanic. I definitely like to see unique mechanics in shoot 'em ups because, yeah, I usually don't play shoot 'em ups. I I've played a certain amount of them. I've played a lot of different ones. I've played a lot of cave shooters, but this one I like because yeah, it there's this kind of a kind of a slight puzzle aspect to it, where you are where it. You have to really take advantage of the chain reaction explosions. Otherwise, you can't dodge all the bullets on the screen. At least not. Uh, the other thing is your blaster itself, your kind of sh your weapon, can also take out bullets. But usually, it takes more than a few hits to take out the bullets with your shot. Whereas if you get them with a chain reaction, that pretty much takes them out instantly. So, but yeah, it's definitely a cool take on it. The music's fun, the graphics are fun. Nice little indie game. And yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's if you like shoot 'em ups with a little bit something different in it. And yeah, it's it's a cool it has characters in it, it has a little bit of back and forth when you meet the boss character of a level. Yeah, and it's fun. And I'd say definitely take advantage of the current sale on playism because as a publisher of indie titles you'll find a, a wide variety of titles on there so i'd say go on to steam and check out the playism sale right now too there's a lot of great stuff on sale and a lot of it wasn't expensive in the first place anyways so yeah i'd say go in and take advantage of that and this game is a cheap one and a fun one as well but I'll probably talk more about other games as I play them, the other ones that I've picked up during this sale. But that's, yeah, uh, neat. Yeah, I mean, I like I like checking out. I like giving a chance, especially for some of these indie titles that might not might otherwise, as we've talked about, get completely ignored. But other than that, 
I've just started watching a, an anime that it's not a new, it's fairly new. I mean, it's on Crunchyroll, and I think it actually came out the previous season. Uh, but in any case, it's called Kino's Journey. And essentially, it rolls around the main character, Kino, and she is, she's basically a wanderer. And she only stays in a place for three days, and that's it. She kind of has some, like, reasons for doing so, and that's explored more. But it, she also has a magical motorcycle that talks. And I guess that's just a thing, because nobody treats it as odd. At is first, it magical or is it technology? It seems to be magical or something. There doesn't seem to be a lot of magic in here, but there's nothing. It's an old-style motorcycle. Like, a lot of this seems like it's taking place in, like, something like 1920s or 1930s era or type of level of technology I'm seeing. But, yeah, it's... so. It, I, I may have it, missed you saying this. What's the setting for this? It's it doesn't seem to be any particular it's it's not like the world we know but it's similar enough to say I'd say 1920s 1930s of our world like is it Japan so is it Europe is it there's it's nondescript gotcha it's not it's just another universe or another world or whatever but yeah it's uh yeah, it's basically just about her going around and her experiences and the fact, yeah, and she's a she's a wanderer. She doesn't stay anywhere. She's a nomad. And so she only sticks around for three days and basically gets a feel for the area and moves on. And But yeah, it is kind of jarring, a little bit jarring, because at first I thought she's just kind of talking to this motorcycle in her head. No, no, the motorcycle talks to other people that she meets. And they treat it as completely normal. Like, hmm. yeah, it's I guess it's completely normal that her motorcycle talks. And that's the only kind of weird thing about it, because it does not seem like there's magic in this series otherwise, other than her motorcycle talking. And, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really nice series. It's kind of, it's, uh, yeah, it, it has a nice flow to it. It's, it's not action. It's about it's about a journey. It's about an adventure. And yeah, it, it, it's and it's a lot of fun. Her motorcycle's name is Hermes. Uh, I don't know if it has any particular meaning because it hasn't gone into that. But we are. But the series, at least the TV series, runs you sort of in medias rest. Like she's she's in the midst of her journey. She's already been a few mm. places. It also makes it very clear from the outset that she's very ready to defend herself, and she has definitely killed people before. But that's not, like, the main, like, action is not the main part of this. There will, there's a little bit of action, but it's more about her journey and just learning about different places and different cultures and, a, and a exploration. But yeah, she, it's... Yeah, there's there's there is tech high technology, so it's kind of like the it has a setting that definitely feels more like like I said 1920s 1930s era world, mm -hmm. but there's also like robots and things like that. I mean, that's so I I guess there is a sort of a high technology thing here, but it, her motorcycle I 
yeah, it just it just talks. I don't. <laughs> it's it's not a, not explained yet. But we are, like I said, thrown in the middle of her journey. Like she's been doing this for a while now. It's not at the beginning, so. But it, it the first episode tries to establish a lot about what you kind of need to know about the ma- main character just to sort of get to get it. But it's it's definitely interesting. It's it's nice. It's lyrical. It's philosophical. It's yeah, I like it. It's it, yeah, it's yeah, it's a nice series. I definitely recommend it. It's on Crunchyroll for free, so I mean, they're getting. It's like if you don't mind commercials, it's yeah. you know, might as well watch it. I have Crunchyroll Premium anyways, so I get to watch it without that. But it comes from a light novel series as is you know fairly common for a lot of anime and video games to come from light novel series but that also means that it's pretty heavy on story and i like that i'm really enjoying that but yeah it's a it's a so far it's a lot of fun and so far it's only 13 episodes hopefully they'll go more than that but uh oh yeah yeah i think no there will be actually a uh a second one, as far as I can tell, but yeah, it's so far I'm really enjoying it. But looking up, there's probably yeah. two movies as well. What's that? There's apparently two movies as well. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I haven't watched them, but yeah, so far I'm only uh, only seeing the first first series, and that's all that's on Crunchyroll. The movies sure. aren't on Crunchyroll. And I, I just looked it up because I was kind of curious to see more of a synopsis about it, and Seems wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's... The setting is definitely pretty interesting. The very first episode is just really good. It's really fascinating. So... But yeah, it's actually pretty old, but it didn't come to Crunchyroll until much later. But, uh, but the current... Uh, the... Well, the first series, which is not on Crunchyroll, and they don't make that clear, but it's the second series that's actually on Crunchyroll. But even but the first even the first series kind of starts in the middle of it. She's already in the midst of her journey, as it were. But what we get is the more recent one, the 2017 series on Crunchyroll. I am, I am interested in seeing the first series, but I don't know where I'd be able to find it. But yeah, it's good. It's really good, and I'm enjoying it so far. But yeah, I'd like to see where it goes. But yep. That's that's my week playing indie games and watching series on a queue. I, I I sometimes and I do the same thing I guess with games I guess, but I'll throw things on my Crunchyroll queue that I see as interesting, but I'm not quite ready to watch yet because I'm in the middle of another series. Sure. But yeah, this is definitely a case of me going back and oh yeah, this is a show I saw, but I just hadn't watched it yet. Yeah, it's good so far. Uh, yep, that was my week. Sure. Mint news time? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think so. Should we just start with the Sega news this week to make Henry happy? Sure. Let's be honest, this news makes everyone happy. Does it? Because, I don't know. Oh, you, you stop that shit right now, Charlie. If anybody was excited about this, it was... Oh, no, I'm ecstatic, and I also feel vindicated in my choices not to 
make certain decisions up until this point in time. But yes, <laughs> uh, we have an official release date for uh, Fantasy Star Online on the PC coming to the Microsoft Store. So uh, sorry, people that don't use the Steam platform, you won't be playing this in the near future. But wait, hold on, it's not on Steam? No. Oh, this game's gonna flop. It's horrible. Oh, this is gonna suck so bad. GG, ten year old game. Anyway, let me get that out of my way. Sure, system. fair enough. Uh, Continue. Uh, despite being on PC in Japan and several other countries, I believe it's finally arriving in the U.S. on PC on May twenty seventh. So it's finally officially actually out. Yeah, it's about pretty um, sweet. It's a little over a month behind it, starting up on Xbox One, which you may remember me saying, man, I really want to play it on Xbox, but it's not clear what the fuck cross-save's going to be, and it's still not fucking clear what cross-save is going to be, and this would be like a time that maybe, I don't know, you'd get out there and say how that's going to work, so I'm feeling a little vindicated in my decisions not to play it yet. <laughs> yes, uh... Expect Fancy Star Online 2 talk next week. It's an MMO with air juggles. What more could you possibly want? Woo-woo. If you have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about, go watch some trailers. It's a very anime-ass MMO, but also it's a hell of an MMO. It, if you like Terra or other kind of action-geared, more active MMOs than just kind of the tab-and-target stuff, this is a game you should be checking out. It's free. It's legitimately way too goddamn old to be this uh, to be this relevant in some ways and mm. like it shouldn't look as good as it does because the game has a very anime style to it it's aged a little too well uh it's mm. I, I i'm excited i'm very excited i'm super excited yeah i mean this comes from me that i still occasionally go back to a shard server on yeah. fantasy or star online 1 so, yeah. Can't wait to make a character on it. Is come to PC. Yep. To this country, or at least this re- uh, region. I'm just anyway. excited to legally play it, finally. <laughs> on a PC, yep. not on yeah. Xbox. Yeah, this is an MMO that benefits... I, you can play it with a controller very well. I, I, I'm excited. So excited. That's your Sega News of the Week. Just a, a, a Sega news of the week. That feels like way too much for Sega. No, yeah. no. I, I'm I'm cheering on Henry and his Sega news. That's fair. <laughs> Even though, like, I I posted the article. I support Henry in, in in bringing more Sega news to light. So I'm gonna add an audio segment every time we do a Sega news announcement. Fair. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, and kind of the opposite end of the spectrum of things we've been excited for. Uh. Tenet, the new—I don't know what the fuck to call it. It's—it's it's the new Nolan movie. It's about some high-reaching scientific concept or something. I don't know. It had a trailer premiere in Fortnite because, of course, it did. Wait, what? I know the trailer was on YouTube. It was on fucking it Fortnite. Premiered in Fortnite. Uh, uh, I don't know how I feel about this. I think it's kind of fascinating. Yeah, I think it's kind of cool, personally. But I, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's. I don't know. It's, it's odd. May, oh. Okay, like it's not. You, a but you know who introduced the trailer? Who introduced it? Our favorite person, Jeff Keeley. 
Oh, then all is right in the world. I'm is good. it? You leave him alone. He's a kind man. Uh, but no, I mean, it's interesting. Like, do you think Fortnite... Like, this is just now speculative at this thing. Wait, do you think, like, Fortnite will be that medium that, like, all these other companies will kind of use to transition? To I don't know, but apparently world? at the top of every hour in Party Royale, you can see the trailer. Really? I'm not sure if it's still going on at this point, but it ran for, I think, as of talking right now, you can still see it hypothetically. Interesting. I mean, the, definitely a lot of a lot of companies have been embracing it. I mean, mainly we've been seeing it in the music industry, but, you know, oh, yeah. I guess it wasn't too long until the movie industry would also be so, like, So, and hey. as kind of a footnote to this... Keeley also announced, or kind of ended this whole thing by announcing that there will be a screaming, not screaming, a screening of an iconic, <laughs> there'll also be a screaming, don't get me wrong, but there will be a screening of an iconic Christopher Nolan film in Fortnite this summer. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I just want, like, do you, do you have to come out, and, or, or is it Jeff? I know it's written like Jeff. 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 Yeah. Jeff, he'll get on there, like, all right, welcome to the screaming premiere. Of so and so, and then they all just welcome. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's just what I'm looking forward to. Yep. Thank you for attending our screaming premiere. <laughs> but no, that's interesting. I mean, it, it in a way it kind of makes sense because I know, like in LA, you have the the like the summer movie list where they have people get together at that graveyard. Is it the Hollywood? Yeah, it sounds it right. Called? Yeah. They get they, people get together at like some or the Hollywood Park or something, and they watch movies there on a giant screen. So this is kind of fitting that you can do that in their party royale environment. Sure, in this time of social distancing, yeah, it's this is no weirder in some ways than having like a um, drive-in. Now here's here's a here's a question I pose for you guys. Do you think the the embracing of like Fortnite and these digital mediums like like basically using Fortnite to kind of premiere like trailers and movie concerts was expedited because of the whole COVID-19 thing? Or do you think it's kind of like already been a works in the process? Because remember, we did have concerts in Fortnite before yeah, I, I this think, whole pandemic thing. I, I think this whole thing was potentially kind of in the works. Like, like, like you said, the whole we've had concerts in Fortnite prior to covid happening i think you now have more people kind of looking at that as a more viable thing i i think it's also one of those ones where we wouldn't be talking about tenant if or tenant however the fuck you pronounce this movie title if it hadn't shown up in fortnite this is like to put on my incredibly cynical charlie hat when it comes to these things this is someone realizing that like hey all that money we were going to spend on billboards and bus ads and like bus stop ads and stuff like that. Where could like, that's not, we, we can't, we shouldn't spend that money there anymore. Where should we spend it? Well, Fortnite did that concert and people were talking about it. Wait. So like who was talking about, well, like gamers and other people were talking about it. If I'm talking about, well, like the gamers were like, isn't it cool? There's a concert in Fortnite. All the news art outlets were like, Fucking Fortnite had a thing in it. God, I'm old and don't know video <laughs> games. <laughs> I, it, 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 still wearing my incredibly cynical Charlie hat. I, I'd, 
this kind of feels like every time Grand Theft Auto gets out there and is like, look how controversial we are, and just whips the media into a frenzy being like, Grand Theft Auto's back at it again. This time they're going to murder your grandparents. They're like, we are! <laughs> look how ridiculous we are. We're going to come to your nursing home and murder you, Graham Graham. Now, <laughs> what the fuck? That's how Grand Theft Auto advertising works in my mind. Like, That's an oddly specific threat. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like, it wasn't so much that stuff with Five. But remember, San Andreas and like Vice City very much were like, "Look how edgy we are." Old people don't get it. Now, do you think at some point Grand Theft Auto Five? will add something similar to, like, the Party Royale. Like, not I... just, like, the passive mode, but, like, an actual sandbox-esque environment. Given that they're so popular, do you think they would they would go into that eventually and, and use that? If I game? had to wager, I would say that I don't think Grand Theft Auto Online is set up to do this right now. Mm. I, I think it's... Uh, how do I work my way through this one? I think it's one of those ones where Grand Theft Auto Online is perpetually being updated and improved, but remember, that thing came into existence as an Xbox 360 and PS3 game. Mm. Like, if you want to take kind of a weird step back and look at it, Grand Theft Auto V potentially could be on three different generations of consoles and would sell like, dumb well on all three of them. Like, it did great on, like, the previous generation, it's done really great on the current one, and, like, if you don't think Rockstar's not looking at the PS5 and Xbox X, or however the fuck you pronounce it, and going, I wonder if we could re-release it there again and get away with it, you're, you're fooling yourself. Like, it, there's absolutely part of Rockstar going, okay, should we make a version for the PS5? How hard would it be to just put Rockstar, put Grand Theft Auto onto a new console again. Hmm. I, if you're asking, like, hey, when and if Grand Theft Auto 6 gets announced, will that try and do something like this? Absolutely. Like, if <laughs> if you like, if you were asking me, like, say, some like, crazy gamer in theory things, I, I there is a chance, and I don't know how this would legally work, but like, if you told me Grand Theft Auto 6's online functionality will be the first video game to, like, access your Spotify account to make stations, I'd believe you, I think. Mm -hmm. That's actually, that would actually be a really good idea. Like, that, that feels like a thing that is the obvious idea of what you would do to Grand Theft Auto at this point. Like, fuck all this licensing, all this music you have to keep putting into the game. Like, what if you could just make stations based off of an already licensed thing with, like, the agreement of, like, yeah, no, this is not in the game permanently. It's, like, this accessing the Spotify account or, like, yeah. And maybe you have the fake stations and license music and there's another thing, but, like, I, I think, like, maybe not this generation immediately, but you're gonna, like, we already have that type of integration, kind of. You're gonna start seeing it in more stuff like this. Like, it just makes sense. Mm. Like, the fact that, like, yeah. there are fake movie theaters and Grand Theft Auto already just put real movie theaters in there already. I have no idea how that would, like, from a legal or economic standpoint work, but... I, well, I think you know. now, especially just the way things are going now, where, like, it just, it seems more and more obvious that the online space is a shared social yeah. space, and what that implies is 
we can put things in there that people would do IRL. And I guess like my point being, and this is where it gets kind of weird, like there's three of us on this podcast. If like the first week of July, they got out there and said, hey, movie theaters are open. When do you think the first time you'd feel comfortable going to a movie theater would be? Um, I don't know. And that's not uh, me trying to like politicize it or whatever. Like, but just my point no, being, uh, like, for me personally, it would take. A, uh, I would just have to see how the trends are going and what the CDC yeah. was saying. But I don't know. I'd I'd it be wholly dependent on what I see the experts is saying about you know and what the numbers are saying and what they're saying about the numbers. Right. And, the experts, like you know, medical experts and medical you know, researchers. And, stuff. and I think we're kind of all in that same boat, but I've also kind of mentally made peace with the concept of I'm not going to go to a sporting event, a concert, a movie theater, or really kind of any large public thing like that, probably till at least 2021, just based on kind of how I mean, my wife are going about this and all that stuff. And media outlets are looking at that going like, huh, how do we get people to see these movies you put lots of money into and also like seem cool and also, hey, is there a better revenue split out there than movie theaters? Yeah, and, you know, like I see, you know, maybe even movie theaters like AMC looking to do a deal with, you know, I think something we may see in the near future is like Fortnite and AMC present you know, something like that. It's like, hey, yeah, you know, to, come to your, in. To your point, like, if we suddenly start seeing, like, Fortnite drive, AMC drive-in theater mode or something, like Pat, like mm -hmm. Party Royale drive-in theater mode, you get to sit there in your character and, like, watch a fucking drive-in in a fucking video game, which, don't get me wrong, that's some Ready Player One, like, dystopian nightmare bullshit. But I think that's where we're going with it at this point. Well, I don't even see it as much as dystopia. It's like, how different is that from an actual drive-in theater? No, to your point, it's not. It's safer, but also, like, my dystopia angle from it is the moment you start, like, uh, reducing the number of reasons to ever leave your house, life gets weird real quick. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. But, I don't know, there are people that are sort of, you know, agoraphobic. Yeah. One level or another. Or, like, just also just maybe don't do well yep. in social situations. You oh, know, no, people it's, with social anxieties to some level or another. It's potentially a great This will make them feel more connected, more included. So there's there's upsides and downsides here. So, I mean, it's it's not a... Yeah, and none of us are speaking of it that way, that it's a sort of a one thing or another bad or good, that it, but it's definitely a trend. And it's a trend that is continuing, and I think it's going to be a trend that's going to continue getting bigger rather than smaller. And I think you're kind of right on that. You're all right on that. That yeah, it's just something that we're going to see more of, not less of. Mm. We're going to see more of this. You know, companies testing the waters. I mean, remember when digital music started yep. to first become a thing? Period. And all the record companies did their best to sue the crap out of anybody that did anything even remotely sort of sketchy, you know, and did not embrace a digital music model at all. Like, we're totally against it. And then they're like, 
mm, but actually we can still make money this way. And now, you, you know, you have iTunes, you know, you have a lot, you have all of these different, you completely valid channels to get music as well as movies now. You know, you're seeing, you know, you can check stuff out from Amazon, you can go on Netflix, you know, it's, they didn't embrace it at first, you know, Blockbuster was against it and didn't embrace it. But I think what we're going to see is a lot of companies dipping their toes into a virtual world style of yeah. dealing of, of putting their media out, getting people to pay for and see their media. And I don't necessarily see that as, you know, one way good or bad, but it's something that's going to keep happening. That's going to get bigger rather than smaller. Especially, I mean, the, with the way you said, you're not alone in, you know, being wary of rushing out back into heavily packed areas have you know into high density meetups yeah you you're definitely absolutely not alone in that i think ever i think it's kind of a shared idea for the vast majority of us that yeah there is going to be sort of a reticence to to high density gatherings but yeah i i think it's no I, i think it'll be interesting to see who which companies choose to you know, really go into it and which companies kind of remain. Yeah. It's a time will tell kind of situation. I'm not saying like one way or the other and that like, Oh yeah. Yeah. If all signs point to, you can go to a fucking concert. Don't go to a concert, but like Mm -hmm. it's more, it's kind of mentally I've made my peace with like, yeah, no, I don't think anything's happening for at least the other half of the year, give or take. Mm. Like I fully see, Coachella trying to team with Fortnite. Yeah, that that feels like an obvious connection of some kind. Yep. And I th- I I also think like one of the things that helps is Fortnite is a free to play game. Like you don't have to buy mm-hmm. something to get into it. So you can have the argument of like, well, it's it's like oh, but it's a video game. Yeah, but it's a video game. Technically, anyone can play, and it's like on everything. everything. Like literally everything possible. Like we talked it. about last week, it's it'll be waiting there for you on PS5 and Xbox X. Yeah, you know I haven't even tried out the uh, the you know the the Roy the party royale of it at all yet. Yeah, I don't really play Fortnite. I've nope. only played it like a handful of times. So, but yeah, I now I'm increasingly more interested in checking out Party Royale. Yeah. I don't know, like, eh, I think it's this upcoming week, Dropkick Murphys are doing another live stream concert, and I enjoyed the last one of that, so I'll check that out, but like, if you if a band I liked announced, hey, we're doing a thing in Fortnite, I would download that game, just check it out at this point, kind of thing. Like, I, what stopped me from getting involved in this is more just a like lack of interest in the content and not, like, a disdain for Fortnite. Like, I'm not gonna play Fortnite ever mm-hmm. in a serious way, but like if Slayer announces, "Yo, we're playing uh, Battle Up uh, Party Royale," I'll be there. <laughs> or wouldn't it be awesome if, in the middle of Battle uh, Battle Royale, they're just playing in the middle of the field? It's just raining blood. Yeah, I, th- th- that yeah. sounds less plausible, but also still fun. Yeah, would the pit just be like a bunch of? We made a bunch of pit jokes last week or the or two weeks ago. I we're not gonna rehash our bad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Swinging around pickaxe. Yeah, I, yes, we we made that joke already. In the pit. Yes. Pit axes. 
All right, next. <laughs> next up, uh, Pac-Man's getting the Mario Maker treatment, but not really and kind of. It's, it's so Pac-Man Live Studio is a Pac-Man Maker, Mario Maker style game that's on a Twitch page. Which, that's... Interesting. Yeah, that's kind of weird. like to see how that works out. Yeah, I, it's, I haven't tried it yet, because I don't like Pac-Man that much, but... Neither do I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Th this is courtesy of a partnering between Twitch and Amazon, which I guess means just Amazon, technically. Amazon Game Studio and Twitch. Those are the separate entities within the larger mass. Oh, okay. I'm just curious, have you played the Pac-Man kind of battle royale no, game that's I, in arcades now no i i don't like pac-man that much I, it's I'm, I'm not a fan of it either but there's a very strange version of it in arcades right now i'll just say that that's obviously battle royale in influenced i i will be totally honest like the only like pre-nintendo games i really fuck with these days are weird like indie games like Tetris meant to be played on the side of a skyscraper or something that they projection mapped to. And that's more for the gimmick aspect of it. Like I yeah. Yeah, but yeah, same. I don't see myself playing this Pac-Man live studio because yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of Pac-Man. I get why people are, but it's not my kind of game. Yeah. If you like Pac-Man, and I have yeah. yeah. It's part of the celebration of Pac-Man's 40th birthday, apparently. Cool. I'm not a Pac-Man fan either, but cool. There's one of our listeners sitting there being like, well, they've lost my listenership. Fucking Pac-Man <laughs> for life. <laughs> <laughs> Pac-Man kill screen coming up. Yep. Everyone who wants to, despite all the things we've talked about in the last couple weeks, can play Valorant starting June 2nd. All right. Do I? I don't. I can't just ghost a stream in hopes for a fucking TV key anymore. I think it's just free to play at that point. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, no. I say about it. Sweet. Okay. Yeah, the, the closed beta will wrap up May tw uh, May twenty eighth, and uh, it's to a majority of regions worldwide June second. I believe this is a free to play game. I'm not finding anything I saying it's not. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. I mean. Knowing Riot, it's going to follow the model where, like, you have, like, three yeah. rotation heroes, I guess, and then you have to buy the other characters. That's my theory. I don't know for sure. I don't yep. think there are any details as yeah, far as that goes. Yeah, it seems like they, what they might do with it instead yeah. of the sort of buy it once and that's kind of it. Yeah. Which, uh, if they have mm -hmm. an option to buy it once, I would be okay with it, just because yeah. I... Like like with Overwatch, we still keep yeah. getting new characters. Like I don't think I I don't think I would be any more into Overwatch. Oh, yeah, no, I, I don't think like any that. of us are objecting to post purchase purchases. I guess as long as it feels yeah. like you're supporting something. Yeah. Well, I mean, not just post purchase. Like like it. I guess better example would be like Smite. Smite, you buy the God Pack, um, and from that point forward, you get every God unlocked in the game. Like so, when they release a new one, it's cool. Yeah. I don't think Riot will do something like that. I think Riot will be, oh, there's a new character out that happens to be really fucking good. Well, you gotta pay for that character to use him. What, you mean then... the League method? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I guess kind of if you're excited about this, you should be. It's a cool thing. Like, it's... Congratulations if you wanted to play this game and haven't gotten a key yet, but please remember all the stuff we've talked about in the last couple weeks. 
about this mm-hmm. game. Like, it's caused some overheats, allegedly. The anti-cheat is intrusive. Like, if I may engage in a touch of hyperbole for a second, like, this is up there with, like, IT installing a Bitcoin mining machine on your, like, home address or on your home machine via a VPN or something. Like, I know that sounds ridiculous, but, like, some of the practices in this have felt, like, that level of shady. And, like, they're not, but, like, if it comes out that, like, yo, Riot was offloading, like, some server technology onto your computer via the anti-cheat system, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, that's how intrusive this whole system's been so far. Yeah. So, yep, I mean, we'll say if you're excited about it, sure. But also, heed the warnings. Like, and, you know, and again, like, attached. jokes aside, all of, like, the funniest we could make out of it, that anti-cheat system is no goddamn joke, and if it gets cracked yeah. open, that could be a real problem for you. And when it goes out of open beta and even more people have access to it, that's that's the thing. Yeah, it, we, What do you... Target. We call that a mild target at that point, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the over-under is on somebody figuring out how to take advantage of that? Story? I don't know. Like, I, it's... I think it'll take a week. Oh, fuck. Damn. I think a week after it goes out of beta and is, and is open, it will already be cracked and hacked to one level or another. Mm-hmm. Maliciously or not, I'm not sure, yeah, like, but it's going to be cracked a week after it's out. Like that DeNova thing, which was allegedly uncrackable, got cracked after a couple months, if I remember correctly. Maybe it was more than a couple, but it got cracked eventually, and if I may kind of offer incentive to the hacking community, League players put their credit card information into that game. Just saying. Yeah. Yep. Who knows? We'll see. I suspect this is not the last time we'll be talking about Valorant in the near future, specifically Valorant's anti-cheat stuff, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh, moving on from that though kind of to other interesting things that may or may not pan out to be something bigger Uh, System Shock 3 the highly anticipated sequel to a game older than several children in high school right now Mm -hmm. is now being supported by Tencent it was a Kickstarter game at one point or was that the remake I can't remember what the pedigree is so yep is this the one you had me play? No, well, that was the remake of System Shock 1, I think, but I don't yeah. know. Uh... But yes, Other Side Entertainment has announced that uh, Tencent will be taking the System Shock franchise further. It's not quite clear what that means at this point, but yeah, I if you want to kind of talk about Irony, the idea of Tencent, a giant media conglomerate taking control over System Shock, a game about the dangers of AI taking control of everything. Maybe there's something to be parsed there, but at the same time, though, too, like, Tencent's not inherently evil, they just occasionally act that way. (laughs) Yeah. The more surprising thing is that apparently, like, a System Shock 4 may or may not exist, like, it's unannounced, but, yeah, I... I guess to kind of clarify this weird story a little bit, other side were the people making the game, and now it's not yeah. clear if they're involved in development at all anymore. Yeah, that's that's the weirder side of that. There are implications that they might that they still are. Like it would make sense if Ten Cents now just kind of like funneling money into this from an investment standpoint. Yeah, they're but, they're just producing yeah. it essentially. Who knows? 
which is what they do with their other investments. They're just kind of producers, not yeah. developers. That's how investing often works in such instances. Moving on from that, though, Alex, this one's for you. EA is releasing the Command and Conquer, but more importantly, Red Alert source code. Yes! Which I is fucking really cool. love. Uh, one of my favorite parts was some of the voice acting and, yeah. and like, the acting they had in those games. I mean, they brought in some pretty cool people to do some of the parts to those to that series. So as an alternate reality, it's an alternate reality series. Just, but, yeah. yeah, the cutscenes are fucking great, and yeah. like yeah. it was interesting seeing some actual like celebrities pop up. In these if this scenes. just means we can get better FMV rips of that game on YouTube, I'm okay with this move. Uh, it was great, but you know what's really cool about this too? Um, <coughs> sorry. <laughs> so I guess EA lost a lot of the uh, Command and Conquer announcer voice tips, so they brought her back to redo the audio for some of this stuff, which is so fucking cool. This was actually back in yeah, this was back in December 2019. But yes. I'm so stoked. I love playing Red Alert 2. If you're not familiar uh, with Red Alert, uh, you've heard, you've probably, if you're involved in video games at all, heard the Red Alert theme song called Death March, which is that real... Hmm? It's Hell March. Hell March, you're right, sorry. Yeah, Death March is a different song from that franchise. Yeah. Hell March is so fucking hype. Yeah. That song, like, when you heard that song go, you got fucking hype. I loaded up that game, I was like, yeah! But yeah, the uh, yeah, it's interesting. I've I've actually worked with somebody that used to work for Westwood. That's cool. Which that's that's the original really? studio, and went on to w- keep working on the series after it was sort of bought out by EA. Mm. But uh, so I I've kind of heard a lot about some of the interesting things about how ports work. For one thing, like Dune was kind of their first RTS that they did. And it was kind of one of the first major RTSs in general that that kind of started, practically started the genre. I'm not sure if it's the very first one, but it was one of the first. And uh, I and yeah, I worked with people that had worked on the port to the Genesis of that. Genesis actually had two RTS games on it, believe it or not. You wouldn't think that like the Genesis controller would translate very well and to an RTS. And it probably didn't. It worked fine. Like the way the game worked yep, was fine's like, probably the bar you aim for in that instance. It was it was they're both of those games, like Herzog's Y was the other game that was an RTS. That was for the Genesis. And they both it yeah. But yeah, that's it seems an interesting challenge to bring like a what you would really think of as a mouse heavy PC game to the Genesis, but it wasn't the first time that it had been done, but yeah. And See, the thing is, so, the Westwood people, they kind of split apart as well. I mean, it's like, you know, some went on to work with EA, and then they, a lot of the other ones went on to form a new company called Petroglyph, but Petroglyph didn't actually end up getting up to that much, unfortunately. But, but yeah, I I remember, I don't know, I guess it was almost five or six or seven years ago that the EA actually released just the ISOs for both of these games. But I, as a dev, 
I am super interested in checking out that source code. I will be checking out that source code. That's one thing I will absolutely be doing. I that's I just just the source code for an RTS. That's really fascinating. I yeah, I really really got to take a look at that and check it out. And I'll probably be talking about it at least to a certain extent yeah. in the in the weeks to come. Well, and I guess moving on to the other thing that's related, not quite the same level of freeing that code for all to use, but uh the default engine, the game behind King's Candy Crush and I guess other games of that ilk, I'm assuming, that's also going open source now. So if you want to make the next Candy Crush, have at it. Yeah, it's a 2D game engine. It's weird thinking of that game as being on an engine. Like, I, I, I don't know much about game development, but I know like it has to have some type of engine. But you'd assume like it's some relatively basic thing. The idea of like, yo, we're making a mobile game engine free or kind of open source like huh that's neat and also i assumed y'all just kind of use the same engine to a certain extent but obviously not mm, no, no most I, companies I, have their own no and that like, makes way more sense than my ignorant ass being like isn't there just like a mobile app system that's used for all this shit no there isn't i mean the closest we have is unity and unreal engine to being sort of yeah. widely used engines but a lot of companies have their own, you know, their own engines. Like, for example, the Assassin's Creed has its own has its own very specific engine that you that is in house an Ubisoft in house thing. And yeah, uh, so but yeah, it's it's kind of neat to see this. It's almost like a piece of history, really, at this point. But also, it's kind of useful for people who want to make easier phone games and don't want to have to use. Unity or Unreal Engine, which is really overkill for a 2D game. I mean, even with, like, Unity has its own 2D mode, and its own uses uh, something called Box2D for its 2D physics engine. It actually uses a separate physics engine. Whereas the, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it uses a separate, it uses the NVIDIA's physics and physics engine for its other 3D engine, but yeah, its 2D engine actually uses a separate one, but it's still overkill for a 2D-only game. And whereas this one is specifically a 2D engine. So, yeah, I mean, it's not like the first 2D engine out there, but it's interesting, uh, like I said, for a bit of history at least. So you can take a look at the source code now. Well, if you're going to point to, like, a game that did aggressively well despite not having, like, really anything amazing in the visuals category like it's candy crush so the idea of like hey here's the system that we used to make a relatively simple but like impossibly successful game not a bad place to start hypothetically yeah they're using their own oh yeah also they're using their own sort of special version of an open source license they're just calling it the default license but it's similar enough to the apache 2.0 license essentially yeah all right, next, we got some lawsuits. Uh, let's start off with the more humorous one, I suppose. Um, Disney is busy suing a Club Penguin clone because it's not really Club Penguin and doesn't put the effort into, you know, doing the Club Penguin thing of being for children. Well, yeah. to be fair, true Club Penguin is infested by 4chan and Nazi propaganda and afros and yes they miss all of it i think that's club penguin in a nutshell 
they were pretty hardcore on the content filtering and moderation of Club Penguin. Like, oh yeah, Disney is Disney did not. Yeah, Disney was not about that. Like, they have a brand that they were very careful about, and they're Disney is one of the companies that is extremely careful about their branding. They've always been extremely protective of it as well. And the clone is literally just called Club Penguin Online. So it's it's not even like an attempt to act like it's something separate. But yeah. Um, well, and look again, Club Penguin is gone at this point. Yeah. For the reasons Alex mentioned. Yeah, well, yeah, eventually they yeah, they weren't they didn't have the means to support it yeah. anymore and they weren't, you know, it was 12 12 years fills out. Mm. So but yeah, I mean yeah, I I get why. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like if you don't have a giant moderation team on this thing, it's going to be garbage. Like really bad garbage. Yep. On the opposite, spend, uh, opposite end of the lawsuit spectrum, we got Ubisoft suing Google and Apple, and this one may sound a little bit tricky, so try and follow us on this one. So uh, Ubisoft is suing because a Chinese company called Alibaba is selling Ubisoft's mobile shooter Area F2, AF2 apparently is what it's called, on their storefronts, which doesn't sound wrong except for the fact that that means that Alibaba is selling technically a stolen game at that point. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty much it's Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah. It is. It just is. Area F two is. It's pretty much a carbon copy. Yeah, or it's an alleged carbon copy. Nothing. Yeah, legal alleged standing carbon on that. copy. But the weird thing is, they're selling the storefront. They're they're suing the storefronts. I guess because they would have more it would be harder to get Alibaba, which is a Chinese company, into court. So they're they're suing who they can. But I think it's more about just getting it taken down as opposed to yeah. like Alibaba has the weirdness of it's like Amazon except without having any of Amazon's infrastructure. Like it's it, Alibaba is literally just a store. There's no there's no Alibaba like um fulfillment centers out there it is just a place to sell stuff in a weird way that makes it seem like it's one company but it's it gets compared i guess from a business but a kind of silk road in a weird way where it's like yeah you could technically sell anything on there so long as you hit it correctly it's just it's a it's more forward facing so you don't yeah but yeah like i said the other problem is it's a chinese company you're not going to be able to sue it in the u.s that's that you, you just can't do that. So they're suing who they can, which is Apple and Google, which makes sense. Yeah, which if they can't hit them directly, then they can at least get them taken off of the storefronts, and that's what they're shooting for here. And in a lot yeah. of in a lot of instances, these games have relatively limited windows to make their money in before people go, "All right, this is just a clone of a better, more supported thing, or whatever," and drop interest in it. So. It's about kind mm-hmm. of defer. It's about delaying and or getting in the way of that, more than anything yeah. else. Uh, I'm saving two of my favorite news articles this week for the end. So let's talk <laughs> about IDGA for a second. Uh, for those not familiar with what the fuck IDGA, what is it, Henry? It is the International Game Developers Association. It's a they they are basically advocates for game developers. Uh, I apologize, I wrote but, down my notes as IDGA, it's IGDA, my bad. 
Yeah. But, alright, so essentially what they're doing is they're coming out with two things to kind of curb bad behavior by companies. And so what that specifically means is things, topics, including game crediting, crunch, and management abuse, and, and diversity as well. And so, and they're also creating a reporting system for that as well. So it's not just sort of standards they're saying, it's, not, it, it's one thing to put out standards. It's another thing saying, here's a way to report on people who aren't, who aren't you know, living up to these standards. And so that's, that's pretty big, actually. That's really huge. And so, I mean, that's the thing. All right, so game crediting, we have talked about this before since I've been on the podcast, in that, like, for example, people that get laid off before a game is finished often don't get credited on the final product, even though they may be contributed to 90% of that product, like, through 90% of the way through, like, time-wise. And then they're laid off, and then they don't find their name on the final product, and that messes you up for trying to get future jobs, because you can't, because you're not in the credits, they, a game company might say, well, how do you prove that you worked on that game if you're not in the credits? That's a big deal, and it is a big problem, especially for these companies that are kind of tend to lay off people a lot. Of, a lot. Like, they'll bring on a lot of people just to make a game and then lay them off and bring people on. They don't keep a, they don't keep, keep a continuous staff, and, which is stupid. And But yeah, game... Game crediting, crunch, which we've talked about also quite a bit on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, if you're working people to death, I mean, while this isn't to the level of being a trade union, I mean, this is they're starting to dive into that. They're, this is a proactive move, which they hadn't really done before. So, yeah. All right, last two news articles of the week, and one of these is just weird, and one of these is, well, it's only a matter of time, I suppose. So, Serious Sam 4 is coming to Stadia as a console exclusive, but it's a more confusing concept than that. It's still coming to PC, but it's a delayed release for PS4 and Xbox, because I guess apparently Stadia competes with the Xbox and the PS4 and not the PC directly. Which is weird. It makes but it is, sense we have discussed context. this before, it is, a, it is a console. Yeah. At this point, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I... Yeah, so if you're excited about Serious Sam 4 on PS4 or Xbox, until... You have to wait till 2021. I, I've never been a huge Serious Sam fan, but at the same time, this feels like an incredibly weird choice. But yeah. I'm also not sure exactly what type of fan base that game has on the other consoles. I know it's huge on PC, and I'm never going to quite figure out why. Same with it, like, uh, what's it? Uh, it's it's a fun game. Yeah, it's a what it, what it really presented was like a modern approach. You know, and I say modern in a relative sense, mm-hmm. a modern kind of re recall of sort of the old FPS just. Just get in there and blow stuff up. You know, it's it's it was, at the time it was kind of what the new Doom has yeah. done for FPS is bringing it back to sort of this is fun to just kind of go into a game and destroy demons and monsters, 
but also we're going to bring in some modern elements. We're not going to, it's not just going to be a rehash. That's what, and I've played a good bit of Serious Sam. It, it just throws tons of creatures at you at the same time. And the newer one looks like it's going to have a very specific even engine or system just for that called the Legion system. Because that's what Serious Sam has been about in the past is just, Here's hundreds of creatures you have to try to deal with all at the same time, yeah. but you also have ludic ludicrously powerful weaponry to deal with it. So, yeah, I see that as doing the same as. Yeah, sort it's of always felt like a very PC centric game, though. Like, it's a mouse and keyboard yes. game, not a control pad game. Yeah, I, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I do have to say, though, this is actually really. I think this is a really good move, and I'll tell you why. Now console players can finally know the feeling that PC players have when they when we tell the console players, thanks for beta testing Grand Theft Auto for us for the first year. Yeah. Um, it's nice to know that we're being inclusive to the console players in this sense. So now <laughs> there's, a, there's a hierarchy, of course, where PC is number one, but the console guys have always been at the bottom rung. But now they get to tell people under them, the Stadia players, Hey, thanks for beta testing this game for us for the first year. I really think it's a great move overall and will really unite console players if they can understand it with PC players. So this is this is good. This is a good move overall for video game exclusivity, I think. Hmm. I had a weird stadium <laughs> moment the other day, actually. <laughs> really? Uh, so is I'm... it the fact that you launched the stadium? No, actually. <laughs> so I, 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 I have a friend who... Up until recently, kind of his wife was pretty anti-video game console for a variety of legitimate reasons. They have young kids and all that jazz and wanted to kind of limit how much screen time they got. But in these times mm. of COVID, his wife's kind of softened her perspective on the video game thing. And they want to buy a Switch. And you cannot fucking buy find a Switch right now to nope. save your life in some ways. And mm. we're talking about PS4s. And he's kind of concerned about like, hey, there's the PS5 on the horizon. This is Is this a bad time to buy a PS4? And I'm like, you have small kids and don't care about being cutting edge so in some ways like maybe wait a couple months for ps4s to get real cheap but yeah like yeah in many ways like the, the whole idea of ad adopting a concept at the end of its generation is a tried and true practice like you don't have to wade through a bunch of shit games you can just go to like the 20 best games to play on this platform and play those yeah. for a discounted price and yeah that's that's kind of what i did with the saturn yeah uh, I, like, I went on the Saturn real late, and by the time I was on using a Saturn, it was, I had a great number of really, actually good games to choose from. Yeah, Instead of the first wave, which were, well, at least in the U.S., some of the first wave of games are really bad. Well, and I, so I only tell this story to kind of tell the next story of, and then I mentioned Stadia, where I'm like, hey, um, you're aware right now that, like, Stadia is free, right? And he's like, what the fuck's a Stadia? And I'm like, it's <laughs> a browser-based, like, video game thing. Like, if you have a Steam library, here's the GeForce. It, it was it was one of those moments where, like, where, like, if you listen to this podcast, you obviously know what the fuck Stadia is, because we talk about it every few weeks, it seems. But, like, if you want to talk about, like, maybe Google's biggest failure in this area, it's the fact that, like, again... A person that, like, the Stadia is in so many ways their, like, hypothetically, their target platform for gaming had never heard of Stadia before. Yeah. 
Like Yeah, their marketing for it was not marketing in my opinion. Yeah. It was just like the opposite of marketing. Yeah, I still have to say not like automatically saying this is great to put on uh you know Android pads and and Chromebooks. That should have been the first things yeah. that they should have been talking about. Yeah. Instead, it was, they just left it very nebulous as to what's the best way to play this. And instead, they should have just suggested, this is the best way to play this. Otherwise, yeah, it's kind of confusing. It's like, where where would I use this? And I think that's a part of the problem is, you know, not, even the people that heard of it is, where would I use this? Nice. They should have told people straight up, you should use this in this way. Yeah, I, it's one of those ones where if you have small kids and can't like justify the purchase of a video game console, it's not a bad idea, hypothetically. They, I, I, Pick up a Chromebook to play it on, or, or like you, you know, probably use... already own a computer or something. Like I still, I'm still yeah. not saying do that Chromecast thing because it felt real uncomfortable when I did it. Like. I'm still like the, the fire rumor is still a thing that's out there, and I can vouch that that thing got hot. But like, but if you ever, uh, I mean, if it, if you happen to already have a Chromecast, I mean, yeah, some people no, you still imagine use, there are people that have I it. I think you still have to use the controller for that, so it's still not an ideal thing. But like, not everyone, but most people have like a twelve, like a five-year-old computer lying around. They have no use for because it it's out of date. But like, hey, if it can and, get to Chrome, it'll do it. Yeah, and it runs very well, yeah. like amazingly well on Chrome. Where, like, your system won't be churning at all. Yeah, it, it, your system, it's it's it is amazingly lightweight. I have like that is one thing that I have to say about having played on Stadia quite a bit is that that is very lightweight on a system. Like, I think I could play this on a ten-year-old computer easily. 15-year-old computer. I mean, the minimum specs to play Stadia games is nothing. It's it, So, I mean, but there again, this is the failure in marketing where they should have, like, really marketed like that. Yeah, and marketed is, hey, you don't want to buy a PS4? Well, get this. Yeah, yeah but they didn't They, I guess it's like they did and they didn't realize that they that it is a console. It's it's weird. It's weird. They should they didn't sell it like it was a console. Yeah, I it's guess that's the problem. Yeah, I've I've thrown that one out there. It's like it, the thought hadn't even occurred to me to be like, hey, if you need a console immediately or look and just distract some kids, Stadia exists. I'm not sure how many kid friendly games are on there, but I think it's got Jackbox. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. I don't know. I don't, I really don't know studio, uh, Stadia's. Oh yeah, no. List game list at the moment. The Destiny exploit is a better exploit at this point. But last but not least, this week we have G two A. We've been we waiting. Knew this is coming. <laughs> yeah, we've been waiting for this. It's almost exactly what we all expected. If you are familiar with G two A, but I. Alex, give us a brief history of what the fuck G2A is quickly. So G2A is a wholesome and respectable company out there that perfectly and legally correctly sells games to players. And I think like it's like vegan CD keys. They're very wholesome. It's clean. 
Like, there's no, like, crazy... Developer to like, table. CD keys. Yeah. None of their developers are abused. They're, they're free-range developers. Um, yeah, no. G2A is that really scummy fucking gray market that um, sold product keys, or, well, sold keys that were quote-unquote legit for games at a discounted price. Yeah, it, it's a site that for years, anyone who's used it has known this is probably like, there's a better than likely chance this CD key may or may not have been stolen kind of thing. And even if it wasn't, the whole G2A thing has always seemed a little, what's the right phrase? Uh, how is this legal? Uh, most, if Nikolai yeah. Tracksuit was a video game company that sold keys, yeah. it would be G2A. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's... The legality of G2A has always seemed weird. The, like, why G2A games were always so fucking cheap by comparison always seemed weird. The question of whether or not devs actually got the money for the keys sold on it or what the legality around that has always also been weird as fuck. Well, the thing is, all right, so I don't care about that yeah. because I am a believer in point-of-sale yeah. doctrine. whereas. You buy it, it's yours, you can resell it if you want. Right, and the... the and, and so the idea, so, I mean, I, mean I, I guess the point I want to make is, the idea behind it isn't wrong. Like, the idea behind people being able to resell the game that they bought, they sh yes, you should be able to do that. That's GameStop's literal yeah. model. I agree 100%. And we're not here to, but, do, not here to say that like, kind of thing. Like, it's yeah. the, it was the... Yeah. Yeah, that's been the, the kind of basis that it's of defense done. of this for a long time. It's the point of sale thing. Like it's the, you should be able to sell something that you own. Yeah, where it becomes. But, a, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, it runs into the same problem. I mean, it's it's GameStop also sells stolen games. Sorry, they just do. Yeah. Like some of those games they've gotten, I'm going to say 100. percent certain that some of the games that they've sold were stolen initially. They just fell off a truck. And then sold to GameStop. You know. It's, it's, but, but the thing is, these things are a little bit easier to track when it's associated with a, you know, a key. Mm hmm Yeah. Rather than, yeah. I, 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 and then that way, I almost think it's a little bit unfair that, like, GameStop gets a free pass on this. And G2A is just getting, like, really rocked hard on it. I think, I think the they both, what I'm saying is, they both should should be facing the similar type of thing. Well, and I, I think they are in their own ways. Like, GameStop is in rapid decline because people are over that bullshit. And I, I think it's one of those ones where as much as we want to believe more of GameStop's business is based around stolen games, we can't prove that. What we can prove is that at least so as part of this so last year G2A said that they were going to kind of do some self-auditing and stuff like that improve just how legit they were and that like if they were found kind of in offense of their promise that their games aren't stolen they would pay 10 times the cost of games that were being stolen kind of thing. Yeah. What's the like it so I say so I guess three uh, the surface is kind of like there's a game called Woob. Well, no, that's the sorry. that's the uh, studio. Factorio is yes, the game sorry, in particular yeah. that they that they basically they they did a check on. 
Yeah. So and to see how many keys were were sold that were reported as having been yeah. stolen. So Woob reported 321 Factoria games stolen, and through this investigation, they managed to unearth that 198 of those keys got sold through G2A. For those who aren't good at math, that's significantly higher than 50%. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I, I think it's... There again, I mean, it's... I don't think G2A is super in the wrong on this. Yeah, no, it's... It's more, I think... And like it, The complaint people always have is like, it's not that G2A is inherently the problem, it's the laissez-faire G2A's always had. Like, it's the embracing yeah. of the gray market aspect of it. Like, and they, they, like, I guess it's the thing is, like, maybe they aren't moderating this as well as they should, yeah. or maybe they should be yeah. coordinating with other game companies, which is a thing that could be done. But I think the, pro the other problem is, a lot of game companies don't want their games to be resold. Yeah. I mean, that's a separate whole thing. And that, we're not going to yeah. argue about the good or bad of that. That's a whole other kind of yeah. podcast unto itself. It's But I, I will say, though, I think the reason people don't shit on GameStop as opposed to G2A is GameStop has a storefront and people feel a sense of, like, legitimacy when there's a storefront, yeah. as opposed to a completely online entity like G2A. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's part of the reason to it. In the end of the day, they both do the same. Like, they're, they're both similar models. Like, it's not... Oh, yeah. People could totally bring in stolen goods to, to GameStop and sell them to GameStop, and they don't know any... They And I'll say that GameStop almost never does any audits on that. Yes, but there's also a difference where if a, if a police investigation proves GameStop has the thing, it, they can take it away from them. Like, it's, it's not... It, they are subject to pawn shop rules. Yeah. Well, that's what, essentially that's what I was going to say, is G2A and GameStop are just gamer pawn shops. Except yeah. the difference was G2A had no accountability up until recently, and, like... Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, if you can... If that many of your, quote, reported stolen keys can be sourced to one location, like, that's a problem. Like, it's... I, I'm not I'm not going to even kind of guess that, because this is a whole, like, other category of kind of... Just, guessing at things. I, I have no clue what percentage of used game sales, GameStop's sales make up of our stolen games or kind of like, maybe not the cleanest, cleanest acquired games kind of thing. I, I'm not going to speculate on that. Like, I suspect it's yeah. high but not like, yo, we found... Someone do the math for me. Like, what's 200 essentially out of 320? Like, that's... That's like a th two-thirds. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, it's... That's six, okay, so 66% of our game keys that we had stolen were sold through your platform. That's a little bit more like that. and It's more like, I guess, like for years, everyone has known G2A is doing this. And everyone's been accusing GTA, GTA of doing, G2A of doing this. And G2A has been like, no, that's not the case. And yeah, it's the case. And it's also one of those weird ones where, like, they, G2A had to get out there and say we had to do the internal audit ourselves because, as it turns out, a bunch of independent audit companies don't like releasing those public findings of what they found. So we actually have no clue how accurate these numbers are. Like, you have to take G2A, like, face value of this. It's one of those ones where, okay, it's like, okay, of the Factoria codes that were sold on G2A, what percentage does this make up? Like, if this is, like, 2%, who the fuck cares? But the fact they don't say it at all seems weird. 
Yeah, but I mean, at least there is a way for them to be accountable. Whereas GameStop, they aren't keeping track of game keys. Yeah. They just aren't. Like, they, they just, you, you give them a game and they'll just take it as, you know, okay, you sold it, all right, you sold it to us, we'll resell it. So they don't even do that. You can't even get that level of accountability with GameStop. Yeah. So I'd say in some ways, you know, if GTA or G2A was more responsible, that's actually a better way of of selling, of reselling games. Because at least there's an accountability for it. That is, they know exactly which key got sold, whereas GameStop does not keep track of that at all. So, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I'm going to say there's going to be some cases where it's completely gone under the radar. Well, and Absolutely. When games have been stolen and sold to ga- resold through GameStop. And, like, I guess, like, let's bring it back in for a sec, though, too. Like, it's... GameStop can be shitty, and it has no real bearing on whether or not this practice is shitty on G2A. Like, it's... Yeah. It, yeah, like, it, it's one of those ones where it's... Like, the... The point I guess I'm trying to make is, like, we've all known for a long time G2A is shady as hell, and G2A has adamantly said, no, we're not, and, like, Factoria is a relatively small game in comparison to things. Like, yeah, kind of to reference the article that we were pulling this information from, what do you think a Grand Theft Auto V's numbers are like? Yeah, uh, no way of telling. Yeah. I mean, well, there is a way of telling. They yeah. they could do a number on that. Yeah, like, it, it's, on that. I, I, I would love to see kind of a larger, like, not saying Factoria is a bad game, but, like, a game that's got, like, millions of active users on a daily basis kind of thing, what that comes after. And a game that already has a hacking and modding problem out there. Like, I I think it's one of those ones you dilute the topic when you start, like, it's like, yes, Grand GameStop is... A whole other topic. Like, we could spend days talking about kind of the shitty business practices of GameStop and not be done with it. I, I think it's it's worth bringing it back to the idea that, like, G2A said, we will like we will search our stuff for that game and prove we're not doing stuff. They do it, they're like, oh shit, yeah, no, we sold a shit ton of stolen keys, apparently. Yeah. But I think also, and I, and I saw some of the comments actually get into this yeah. in uh, when is it the right place to demand this level of accountability from a storefront? So, and we do to a certain extent. Like, if somebody's selling, like, you know, false goods on, say, Amazon or eBay, there's a reporting scheme yep. for that. Mm-hmm. Like, there is there is a an accountability. So, I don't think asking for some accountability is out of the question oh, yeah, no. because... We already do that for several sites that even just for video games, let alone other media, but for video games and such, we are already asking that much that there is a that there is an accountability as a seller that you do have some accountability for selling stolen goods. It shouldn't be as much accountability like you shouldn't be going to jail for it. Like I don't I don't think that's that should be the thing. You know, we aren't, we shouldn't lock up eBay because some people try to sell some bad or stolen goods on eBay. We shouldn't be locking up their executives. But also, we should, we, they should be reporting scheme and called out on it that there should be some expectation of accountability for it. No, and like, I think part of like, ever sold a game on G2A before? No. I have. And like, it's, it's easy enough to do that, like, 
it's the anonymity factor of it, I guess. Like, the eBay thing, there's a little bit more proving you're a real person, and the fact that, like, it's... The system actively discourages you having multiple accounts to get around, like, shitty reviews and stuff like that. Like, the, the phrase, like, always yeah. use the seller or buyer reviews is an important thing, kind of thing. G2A doesn't really have that. Like, they're... Basically, it's, you throw them a key, and it gets sold, and that's the deal, kind of thing. Like, it's it's very anonymous, and I think that's where, like, hypothetically, yes, you could refer to eBay as a gray market, but we don't, because their service goes out of its way to kind of be upstanding. G2A across the board is like, yo, you got keys? We want to sell it's them. It's more gray area like a pawn shop. Yeah, exactly. But I'd also argue, like, at least a pawn shop you have to physically walk into, hypothetically. G2A yeah. you can access from anywhere. And I, I, I guess to rewind way back to our, our older G2A conversations, part of the issue with G2A is that, like, it's possible to buy a key. It, it often hurts the consumer end of it, where you buy a key off G2A, you think it's legit, you have no reason to believe it's stolen, and then you use it in the developers after you being like, where the fuck do you get this key? Yeah. Yeah, like, it's... It's one of those ones where it's like buying stolen goods from a pawn shop. It's not great, but it rarely, rarely like you like. Okay, you buy a pinball machine from a pawn shop. Turns out it's stolen. The pinball machine works still at least. The game developers are very in the rights to be like, "I'm sorry, you bought this key that was stolen. Buy the game from a better site." I guess we don't have to honor this key you bought. That's not a real key. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. I'm not saying go out there and buy stolen pinball machines or whatever, but, like, at least in a pawn shop, you physically have an item. Like, to go back to GameStop for a second, as much as I don't like mixing these two, you buy a used game, it hypothetically works, and if it doesn't, you take it back to GameStop, and they go, oh, yeah, sorry about that, and they give you another one that may or may not work. Yeah. You're not handling the anonymous key, which is just, like, here's a string of numbers that, like, you could guess if you wanted to. Yeah, but they do sell keys do they well that's the way if you buy some of the games they have a cd key i mean that's been a thing forever but they can't buy those back from you i guess they can't resell the keys that's what they buy when they're when you're selling a game to gamestop for the games for the pc games that do have a cd key that's what you're really selling to them you're selling the cd key not the game not the physical game this physical game is just something that could be downloaded or whatever. Does it? It's a CD key that makes it unique. No, I'm trying to figure out. Like, I, 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 Not every game yeah. has, a, has, has CD keys. But, I mean, most PC games, almost all PC games, as a matter of fact, have a CD key. And if you're reselling them in any way... That's what you're selling. You're selling the CD key. You're no, and I'm not sure if GameStop sells you uh, secondhand CD keys, though. Uh, I don't know anymore yeah, I, because i haven't been to a gamestop in a long time but i know they have in the past absolutely i don't know because i've definitely tried to sell them games before that were pc but i i don't know like, like you i also have not been to a gamestop in quite some time yeah so maybe they would have you know, maybe they did stop that practice because of the possibility of being able to steal a cd key versus yeah. for a console game it if you're selling the CD of a console game, it's at least physically rather there, than a, yeah. rather than a download code even or a or a CD key download code is basically the same as the CD key at this point. If you're just if it, if it's like you're buying the physical version of a game, and it doesn't have a key associated with it, it is you buy the game, you buy the game, which is true for still true for console games, 
if you buy them, uh, yeah, you, yeah, it, it, that in that case, it is more clear. Yeah, I mean, no, though, there's this is this is a weird place that we're just gonna see. It's gonna continue to be an issue. I think it's just going to continue to be a point of contention in an on yeah. increasingly online buying world where lots of people are buying online rather than physical copies. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not trying to defend GameStop. They're a shitty company. I think it's it'd be like if GameStop was an ATM, you just kind of sh- it's the Redbox situation where you could just steal Redbox games because it was so easy to fake a thing. But yeah, G2A. You've apparently done yeah, exactly I mean, what we've we been saying you've been doing. Yeah, we knew that this was going to be trouble, continuing trouble down the way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But, and we'll, we'll probably hear more, because yeah. this isn't putting them out of business. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I, I suspect this might have... Now that someone's gotten money out of this, I could totally imagine 2K throwing Grand Theft Auto in there or something, just to see what happens. But we'll see. It's possible no one will pick them up on this offer again. Mm-hmm. That does it for news this week. We only really have a bunch of emails to get through. We don't have any emails this week. But if you wanted to contact us, how would you go about doing that, Alex? Very simple. You would uh, go ahead and pull up your email comp- compilation software of your choice. And uh, in the to address, you would put wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. What's that email again, Henry? That is wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. WickedAwesomeCast at gmail.com. Spells and sounds down the show notes. Except you rah, except you rah. Anything else before we close it out this week? Um, no, other than, uh, stay safe out there. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess, uh, I'll be posting random musings and things like that on my social medias. Uh, I'm probably going to stream some of the Shadowlands Alpha this week at some point. And probably actually tomorrow for Memorial Day. Uh, just jump on there and do a little bit of that. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can catch me at Mave Online, M-A-V-E-O-N-L-I-N-E, on all the streaming platforms, Twitch, Mixer, YouTube Gaming, Facebook Gaming, and I think that's all of them. Oh, and of course you can follow me on my social medias for Facebook and, uh, Instagram, Twitter, at Mave Online. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was a sad in, yeah, on social media, I am Kraken Zero, that's Z-E-R Zero. And on Facebook and Instagram. And if I'm do up to anything, it'll be on there. Otherwise, I'll just be posting kind of random stuff on there, as I usually do. Uh, there may be no stream for me this week. We'll see what winds up happening with some things. But, yeah. Put it from my end. I think that does it for this week. Who wants to close it out? You the metal. <laughs>